Hello and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington, bringing you reviews from a Christian geek worldview. And today on the show, I'm back talking about James Bond once again. Looking forward to that new James Bond movie that's coming out pretty soon here. Now, if you heard the last one, you know what this episode is going to be. I'm just going to go through the next era here of James Bond. That is the Roger Moore era of James Bond. I'm working my way from Live and Let Die all the way through A View to a Kill. Last time I covered two James Bonds, that's because uh, the one of the Bonds only had one movie, and now I'm just covering this one Bond because he has so many movies. Oh my goodness, does Roger Moore have a lot of James Bond movies. So I guess let's just get right into it with Live and Let Die. Roger Moore is James Bond, 007, in Ian Fleming's Live and Let Die. My name's Bond. James Bond. Names is for tombstones, baby. Waste him now. Live and Let Die. James Bond is sent to stop a diabolically brilliant heroine, Mangate, Mangate, armed with a complex organization and a reliable psychic tarot card reader. Uh, okay, that was off of IMDb, kind of a weird little thing there. But anyway, okay, uh, live and let die. Roger Moore is now James Bond. Interesting stuff. I suppose I should just talk about Roger Moore as Bond right here off the bat because I think he's a great Bond, honestly. I think he's a, a fantastic James Bond. He's he's At this point, he's probably my second favorite James Bond under Sean Connery. Sean Connery, I guess like Sean Connery, he has that swagger, he has that smoothness. He also does kind of bring a, a little bit of his own take. It's a little bit uh, different. I think mostly just in the way that he expresses himself, like his, the, the expressions and some of the, the things that he does is the thing that is the most different, I would say, honestly, between this, this Bond and Sean Connery's Bond, because they are, they are very much still the same character. They're still that suave, smooth, secret agent kind of guy that gets all the women and everything. You know, it's very much that same character, but, uh, but I, I do really like, Roger Moore as as James Bond. Uh, this movie, it it really seems like this movie is just more more like consistently goofy than the previous movies. I mean, you know, most of the other movies, despite having some of the goofiness in them, they were trying to be taken seriously. You know, they they were just kind of punctuated with goofiness. You know, uh, while this one. It, it may not get as silly as parts of the other Bond movies, but I think this one is more kind of consistently kind of a, a silly movie. You know, every scene has to have that joke or some silly, uh, like, little bit of action or, or some one-liner or something, you know, or, or all of the above, depending on the scene, you know? And I mean... To be perfectly honest, I'm fine with this tone. If, if this is the tone they want to do for James Bond, I think it makes the whole movie maybe a bit more silly, a bit more, like, trivial, but I'm also 
enjoying the the cheese you know that's it's it's cheesy but it's some some fun cheese here there is this over-the-top extremely annoying hick sheriff that like it shows up in here that is just so honestly just so annoying he he just shows up he's screaming he's yelling and all this it's just it's so over the top overacting over everything oh my goodness it's just like face palm city when that guy shows up oh my goodness I don't like the Bond girl this time around, Rosie. She is like this ditzy blonde type, uh, though she's not blonde, so I guess she's not that type. But she basically plays that same kind of character. And she's supposedly in the CIA, you know, and she's like, you know, supposed to be this agent. But then they make fun of her just relentlessly as just being this useless agent and honestly, it's it's pretty annoying, to be perfectly honest. Like, just, it, it feels like it's just, oh, she's a woman and she's a, a secret agent. She can't be good then, right? And uh, the movie proves out that that the, has to be the case, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was stupid. Um, the other Bond girl, though, uh, Solitaire. I thought she was pretty good. She's like the, the soothsayer, uh, card reader type character that I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think, I think they did some decently interesting stuff with her character. I think she was, she was pretty fun. This movie has a primarily black cast, which is, is interesting. I mean, this is notable because this, before this movie, there was really hardly any black people that showed up in any of these movies at all and when they did I mean they were mostly in like servant type roles you know and so uh the fact that in live and let die they are primarily but not exclusively the bad guys so it's like okay you know if they were all gonna be the bad guys I'm like okay well that's interesting but not exclusively there is certain characters that are on the good side that are black too so it's like you know I'm just I don't know, I'm guessing I'm, I'm gauging the, the racism going on here in this movie. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of black stereotypes in here, too. I mean, there's one, maybe two characters, like, black characters that break out of that mold, but they're they're all pretty much black stereotypes, really. The the villains in this movie, they're pretty dumb, overall. Their, their grand plan was not anything really interesting at all, and, I mean, they were really bad at pulling off their grand plan. I mean, let me tell you, Bond, Bond defeated them pretty handily, I would say. Uh, <laughs> overall, this movie, you know... Live and Let Die. It's 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 not bad, but it's it's overall it's a it's a pretty good cheesy fun time. Nothing special, nothing amazing, but not bad. What do you know about a man called Scaramanga? The man with the golden gun. He always uses a golden bullet. This trinket sent with a note requesting special delivery to you. The Man with the Golden Gun. James Bond is targeted by the world's most expensive assassin while he attempts to recover sensitive solar cell technology that is being sold to the highest bidder. Okay, so this is a movie about a hit is out on James Bond, and this whole movie is Bond trying to figure out like who this person is at first and then like why this person is after him and what's this person's next move and you know I really 
liked the story in this one. I enjoyed seeing Bond at the beginning investigating this person, like looking into him, like who is this person, who is after me, and all this kind of stuff. And then when they finally meet, they have a really good dynamic together. I really liked this villain. I really liked the man with the golden gun. Uh, this is the best villain since Goldfinger, though Goldfinger still my favorite Bond villain easily still, honestly. But this guy's great. This movie is a little less goofy than the last couple movies, I'd say. There's still, you know, the, the one-liners and stuff and uh, midget jokes and stuff. <laughs> and, you know, gadgets that are goofy and stuff. But uh, it's it's not just a consistent stream of jokes, you know, like the last movie. Uh, this one has a slightly more serious tone, which I think really works for the story that they were telling here. A slightly more serious Bond story. So I think the more serious tone works here. There's a cool new character introduced that uh, makes and, and sells unique specialty guns to hitmen and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. It's it's just kind of a a, a fun little bit of, of world building. It kind of reminds me of like John Wick, how they build out the those worlds and stuff. And it's like he was a he was a cool little character that just kind of popped up and I, I don't think he ever showed up again as far as I've seen so far. And you know what? I, I wish he would. I wish like this kind of stuff would happen more often. Do a little bit more world building around James Bond, you know, because that like this was really cool. This is like a touch of that. And I want more. Uh, once again, the, the female agent that is working with Bond in this movie is just a completely useless dimwit. It's just, it's ridiculous. She's just there to wear a bikini at the end of the film. There's really no other purpose for her existence in this film. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just annoying, honestly. Also, it, it always kind of makes me uncomfortable when Bond hits a woman. And, and he does several times in this series. Uh, he, he just... Like with with seemingly very little reason, he'll he'll just hit women, and uh, it it happened before, and it happens again in this movie, and it's just, you know, he's like he's trying to get information out of her, but I mean it's it's I get it, but it's just it's, it's uncomfortable to watch, I guess. I don't know. Am I old fashioned for not wanting to beat up women? Come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> so that Hick Sheriff. That was in the last movie that I mentioned. Oh my goodness, he shows up again here. He has a, a glorified cameo, basic, basically, that it just lasts altogether too long. Uh, what started out as what could have been just kind of a fun, quick cameo that's like, oh, okay, uh, he's here. And ultimately, I don't even know why this is here. It just keeps going and going, and it's... Just Oh my gosh, this is probably the worst part of the movie. It, it goes from what could have been just a fun little, oh, it's him, to... Oh my gosh, dude, this guy's so annoying. <laughs> I do not like this character at all. Overall, this movie was pretty good, you know? I liked the villain, uh, and I liked, uh, you know, Roger Moore is kind of definitely coming into his own as James Bond in this one. This is, I'd say it's one of the best entries so far in the Bond series. It's the biggest. It's the best. It's Bond and beyond.
The Spy Who Loved Me, James Bond investigates the hijacking of British and Russian submarines carrying nuclear warheads with the help of a KGB agent whose lover he killed. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> so, first off, the Spy Who Loved Me. I'm confused about the title of this movie. Who is falling in love with whom in this movie? It didn't seem like Bond loved this girl any more than he did the last ten girls he slept with in the other movies, you know? Like, he, he's just, you know, using her as per usual, and I don't think she really fell in love with him either. Actually, it even seemed like less so than normal then a lot of the Bond girls fall in love with Bond here. Uh, she's just, like, charmed or whatever, you know? And, uh, I mean, also, Bond killed her last lover. So uh, this is just... There's all, kind of, all kinds of screwed up here. What in the world is going on here? This is... <laughs> okay, whatever. I don't understand the uh, title of the movie, but... Moving past that, I think there's actually some really clever writing going on in this movie. Uh, this one, it, it plays with your expectations in some fun ways. So, uh, the movie opens, or, or it either opens with or it's right near the beginning of the movie, where there's a different country uh, that's, that's like calling in their best spy. And, you know, so we cut to a man in bed with a woman, very reminiscent of, of Bond that we've seen with, you know, in, in other movies and stuff. And, you know, so you think, oh, okay, this guy is the other spy. And then it's revealed, no, the lady that he's in bed with is the spy and not the man. Just a little, like, switcheroo there. It's like, oh, okay, that's fun. I, I didn't know that. I didn't see that coming. And so when that little switcheroo happened, I'm like, oh, that's fun. And there, there's a few things like that throughout the movie that's like, oh, okay, you know, it, it takes what is kind of established or, or what you know in the Bond movies, and then it'll twist it a little bit. It'll do something a little bit different with that, and I enjoyed that. Uh, this is the Bond girl for this movie, the, the, the other spy that's supposedly on hit, you know, Bond's level, you know, and, and I would say she's one of the, uh, the better Bond girls so far. Uh, she's competing for Bond over basically the same MacGuffin. It's, it's nothing too important, really. Uh, <laughs> and Bond treats her like he treats every other woman, but she's actually a competent spy and, like, matches wits with Bond on occasion, which is great. Like, that's really fun. She eventually, like, fades into the background in the movie and then kind of becomes less important. I wish they brought this out to the forefront and really made this the the focus of the movie the whole way through. Uh, also, I, I really wish they didn't sleep together till like the end of the movie because that would have been another way to subvert your expectations and they perfectly set it up that way with like Bond was like trying his best to woo her and then she kept turning him down so like a few times and it's like oh, okay that's different in Bond movies and I, I do wish they they pulled that all the way to the very end of the movie and so then when he's finally sleeps with her of course uh you know it's like oh okay that's I don't know I guess it feels more earned but None of the women that he sleeps with feels earned, so I don't know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> halfway through the movie, she just kind of gives in, and you know, it, it honestly, it kind of just makes her another girl that can't stand up to Bond's charms, you know, another Bond girl. As it is, I, I would definitely see, say she's in the, the better half of the, the Bond girls that we've seen so far. Uh, all in all, yeah, she's one of the best. Uh, 
We had another skiing action sequence in this movie. That happened a few other times here, and it, it will happen again, let me tell you. How, who in the world would have thought there would be so many skiing action sequences in these movies? I definitely didn't. Uh, <laughs> it's goofy, but it's it's fun, you know? Uh there's some really great cinematography in this one too, like some really cool shots, some really good uh, like locations and stuff that look really cool and beautiful and stuff. Uh, Bond movies always, you know, they go to big different locations and all this kind of stuff, but this one, it really kind of stuck out to me, like uh, really some, some nice looking scenery, some nice looking uh, cinematography and stuff, some good stuff there. Uh, oof, okay, so this movie introduces a henchman that has metal teeth. And he kills his victims by biting them in the neck like a, a vampire. And he's also like as strong as a vampire apparently. He stopped a car that was trying to run him over. And then while it was driving forward, he pushed it backwards against the wheels. And then like it started ripping the car to pieces. It was absolutely insane. It was, it was... I, I was like, what in the world? Like, this guy is obviously enhanced in some way. But no, he's just some tough dude that has metal teeth or something. I don't know. It's it's absolutely insane. This should be an old sci-fi movie villain, not a Bond movie villain. That said, when he was on screen, I really enjoyed it. Because it's so goofy and ridiculous and stupid that it's like, this is, this is fun. It doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. But honestly, it's 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 kind of fun. <laughs> the main villain, just a, a fairly generic, I will destroy the world and build a better one kind of villain. You know, the apocalypse type villain. Uh, he's 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 pretty unmemorable, uninteresting. Uh, I, I honestly I liked his ridiculous vampire henchman guy better, uh, <laughs> even though he's ridiculous too and uh, bizarre. So they're definitely upping their game when it comes to the gadgets this time around, mainly with a tricked-out car. They've had tricked-out cars in the past, but this one, they really tricked out that car, and then it turns into a submarine, and you go in the water and drive around in that. That's like Spy Hunter. If you ever played that game, you can drive in the water, then you go up on land, and it's a car, and you drive it around. Very cool. Very fun. This movie is it's just very goofy, you know? You got the constant one-liners, goofy gadgets, just absolutely incompetent hench henchmen and uh i mean all of which are pretty typical for these movies but they're they're very prevalent in this movie and uh it's fine you know this is definitely i would say one of the more cheesy kind of bond movies for sure they oh something else that's interesting that i noticed they they mentioned his dead wife which i don't know i guess it's just interesting them kind of further connecting these different bonds as the same character when that was all thrown into question when uh, George Lazenby became Bond and it was like confusing or something. I don't know. I don't know what exactly is going on here continuity wise with some of these Bond movies, but they do mention his dead wife as as if it was his wife, not as if it was the previous Bond's wife or something. So I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, all in all, this is a solid Bond movie. This is pretty good. And I, I did also find it interesting that the end of this movie says, James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only. 
but he doesn't. Not yet, anyway. He actually returns in Moonraker, which is the next movie, because due to the, the immense success of Star Wars, the, the For Your Eyes Only was pushed back in favor of the, you know, outer space-themed Moonraker movie. So, you know, gotta rush this movie into development. This one's gonna be good, right? Eh, here we go. From the most exotic locations on Earth, Moonraker will transport you to another world. More excitement, more thrills, more spills. Moonraker. James Bond investigates the mid-air theft of a space shuttle and discovers a plot to commit global genocide. Why do so many villains want global genocide? How is this helpful? What? Okay. Uh, I guess that's why they're the villain. <laughs> and for some reason, Bond has to go to outer space to fix this problem because Star Wars. Okay, so... Oh my goodness. So this movie opens with a skydiving action sequence, very reminiscent, like, uh, it reminded me a lot of, like, the Mission Impossible type movies, you know, uh, movie after movie kind of trying to one-up each other with the crazy stunts that they do. Uh, very, very fun, very cool, actually, uh, and it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where watching these movies, it's like, I totally see how modern action movies were based on these kind of, or, or were kind of inspired or drawn off of uh, some of these older kind of Bond movies and stuff like that. Uh, very cool stuff. The vampire guy here uh, the, with the metal teeth reappears in this movie and it just, it reaffirms how inhuman this guy is. He, he falls out of an airplane without a parachute and, and survives without a scratch. Is they, he has metal teeth, but does he have just metal bones like Wolverine? What is going on? He stops a cable car for, for skiing. Cable car goes up a hill, you know? And he stops it with his bare hands, amongst other things that he's stopping with his bare hands. Oh my goodness. He's, this guy, he's not a great actor, but he is... Honestly, probably my favorite part of this movie because he's so nuts, makes no sense at all. But it's like, dude, whenever this guy shows up, he is fun, you know? He is fun, uh, despite the fact that this is one of the worst Bond movies to date. Once they go to space, uh, this movie gets shockingly slow and boring. Like... This is supposed to be your answer to Star Wars, not 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like, what's what's going on? Pick up the pace, guys. Like, once they go to space, it should be like rocket battles and, and laser shows and stuff. We, we get that for sure. Don't worry. But it's like it goes to space and it gets so slow and boring. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they do, you know, end up having that zero gravity laser shooting. Woo, 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 woo. You know, very reminiscent of some stuff you see in Star Wars. I mean, ultimately fine if you want to have a movie about that i guess but this is just way too science fiction for james bond yes you, you james bond is technically science fiction because it has these gadgets and things that are overboard from what is reality you know and so it's like okay it technically verges into science fiction territory but i would primarily put bond as as like a spy action movie right but but here it's it's the very much 
getting into the Star Wars sci-fi kind of territory and just too much science fiction for a James Bond movie, in my opinion. Uh, even though I said my favorite part is this weird vampire guy that holds back a cable car with his bare hands and can bite through that giant steel bar. And just, <laughs> it's like, what the, huh? Now, no. What? <laughs> it just makes no sense. But it's amazing. <laughs> All right, so whereas the last movie had some uh, clever writing, right, that I was mentioning, and, and this one just feels so lazy man it just it's it just seems so lazy at this point the franchise just loses all pretense of subtlety you know any pretense of subtlety that was there is just completely gone you know everything is a joke in this movie nothing is taken seriously but we're supposed to and and ultimately you know it's supposed to be taken seriously and ultimately it, it just leads to to me not really caring about what's going on, you know, I, I just, I really just didn't care, I, I was just there for whenever the next time the vampire guy would show up, uh, <laughs> man, how often in these movies do they introduce one or two or more beautiful ladies, and then say, oh, look, this is whomever, this is whomever, and then they go, Okay, now you go away. We're going to talk about the plot here, okay? And then they talk about the plot, and then later James Bond goes and sleeps with them. Like, how often does that happen in these movies? Because it seems like it happens like three times a movie. Oh my goodness. It happens so many times in this movie alone that it's just like, why? It... <laughs> uh, okay, overall, this is just, it's not great. It's, <laughs> uh, this is just, it's strained way too far from what James Bond is. It's strained way too far what, from what James Bond should be that, and, and it's just not, it's, other movies have been goofy, but they've, they've had the moments of goofiness and then they've had, uh, you know, a little bit of seriousness in there, you know, enough that it would kind of carry you through some of that. But this one, it's just, all that's out the window, you know, it's, it's just goofy. It's just stupid. I didn't care ultimately with this one. This is, Easily one of the worst Bond movies so far. For your eyes only. It's Roger Moore as Ian Fleming's James Bond 007. Five days ago, our spy ship sunk in the Ionian Sea. She was equipped with ATAC. Have we begun a salvage operation? We asked Sir Timothy Havelock to secretly locate the wreck. He and his wife were killed by Hector Gonzalez. Police were able to identify Gonzalez by Melina, Sir Havelock's daughter. For your eyes only, James Bond is assigned to find a missing British vessel equipped with a weapons encryption device and prevent it from falling into enemy hands. Now, this movie opens with uh, just another connection here. This movie opens with Bond putting flowers on his wife's grave. So I guess, yeah, I guess just I, I find these interesting when they're they're connecting these different Bond movies in this kind of direct of a way. Very interesting. But moving straight from that. Uh, so, you know, uh, Blofeld, the, uh, cat-petting arch-nemesis who was in the, the previous movies that I'm pretty sure was already supposed to have been dead? Well, he shows up in this movie. He, he appears pretty briefly, and 
only to be offed again, like, like really quickly. And I mean, it's, it's like, it's kind of a fun sequence. The whole action sequence as a whole, it has like James Bond hanging onto the outside of a helicopter, like Tom Cruise did, you know? So it's like, it's, it's kind of a, a cool action sequence, but at the same time, it's like, isn't this character supposed to be dead? Why is this whole sequence even happening? I have heard that there is like, there was some, uh, change in leadership or something in the background and this was kind of a diss at the last leadership or something i don't know i don't know how all that works but when it happened in the movie i was just like what the why that is so weird uh <laughs> but anyway the action in general actually seems to have improved kind of all the way around in this movie i mean it's kind of incrementally been getting better you know as the movies go on and and now it kind of feels like we're at a a pretty good point you know where the action is generally like just pretty pretty good by today's standards it's not you know obviously today's action is still different we're still in like the 70s here right so the the action is still i would say improved today than it was then but it seems like we're starting to hit a pretty good point here where we have some pretty good action including of course another skiing action sequence never did i think there was going to be so many skiing shootouts like is that a thing that happens in the real world or a thing that happens in every single james bond movie it's weird Man, if Daniel Craig is skiing down a hill and shoots somebody, I'm going to punch a cat, you know? That's not going to happen. But it's so weird to me how often this happens. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a one-time thing when it happened at first, but no. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay. <laughs> this also seems like a uh, a step in the right direction as far as the representation of women in the movie. Bond actually talks to women apart from either flirting with them or trying to get information out of them. He actually talks to them like they're humans, you know? Uh, <laughs> and also, a, a girl forcibly kisses Bond for once in this movie, which, I mean... I don't know if that's an improvement, I guess, but uh, Bond forcibly kisses women in other movies, and that always makes me uncomfortable. So now it's like, oh, hey, look, you gotta taste your own medicine here. Uh, so there's that. And then she actually offers to have sex with Bond, and he turns her down. So it's like, wow, Bond, you, this almost seems out of character. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> it's, I don't know. And to me, it seemed like kind of a, a step in the right direction as far as that goes. It's not gonna last long. But, I mean, there it is. Uh, and the Bond girl, the main Bond girl, the, the one that offered to have sex with him and stuff, that's a, a different girl. Uh, the main Bond girl here is Milena Havelock, and she is one of the best. She's one of the best Bond girls out there. She reminds me a lot of Huntress. Like, her family was killed, and now she's out for revenge with a crossbow, and she's a really cool character. You know, she's on this quest for revenge, and that's when Bond meets her. They're both kind of aiming at this same person and uh it's it's cool you know she's a, a cool character she doesn't fawn over bond and and bond isn't constantly trying to get in her pants and that's it's kind of a nice change of pace for uh you know these characters to not have that same relationship every single time you know 
And there's a few other characters that pop up in here uh, that I thought were pretty fun as well. The villain, though, is pretty forgettable. He's like some Pablo Escobar type of character, just with not very much development at all, I thought. He was, he's just, he's forgettable, you know? Uh, the story, also very forgettable, honestly. Uh, this is, this is decent. It's not bad. It's not great. Uh, it does give us one of the best Bond girls, though. So, I mean, that's, that's really the thing that kind of pumps this one up as as pretty good in my opinion but it's also i mean it's not amazing bond hits an all-time high roger moore is ian fleming's james bond 007 in octopussy octopussy a fellow double o agent's death leads James Bond to uncover an international jewel smuggling operation headed by the mysterious Octopussy being used to disguise a nuclear attack on NATO forces. Uh, sorry if, like, this... I, I honestly, I just can't avoid these innuendos and stuff at this point, so, uh, sorry if that, like, whatever. It's just, what in the world? Uh, okay. <laughs> Dude, man, they could have done so much more with a, a death of the double O plotline, you know? Uh, that that could have been so great, you know? Uh, they, they really took what could have been this intriguing kind of murder mystery, you know, take it and make James Bond do something a little bit different here, make a murder mystery, and then they, they kind of just turn it into a more generic James Bond type plot with like jewelry theft and Russian terrorists trying to get a, a nuke and you know they want to nuke the world or whatever who even cares I don't know it, it, I think they had this core of an idea of like oh one of the double O's died and we need to figure out who did it and stuff and it's like that that should have been the entire premise of the movie. Him trying to figure out, he finds it, he figures out why that person does it, and he goes after him, and whatever, that kind of stuff. That could have been great. This, they just kind of turned it back to the generic James Bond plot, where, oh, people trying to nuke the world or something, and it's, I, it's, it's whatever. Uh... <laughs> Uh, this is a step back towards the Goofy. You know, they were trying to be a little bit more serious after the uh, Moonraker incident. And this is a step back towards Moonraker. Definitely not as much as Moonraker. But, you know, a, a lot of the action is very kind of slapstick. Uh, you know, with, like, trucks doing wheelies and stuff. And, and my favorite part, honestly, Bond pulling a sword out of a sword swallower's throat at, a, like, a circus or something. And then he fights with the sword and... It's, it's ridiculous. He, like, gives it back and something. I don't know. He had some one-liner for it. Of course he did. He's James Bond. That was pretty fun, honestly. And then he's, like, swinging on vines, yelling like Tarzan at one point. It's goofy, you know? It's it's goofy, but I'd say it's pretty fun. You know, you, you just you can't take it too seriously, but it doesn't go as far over the top as, uh, as something like Moonraker or something did, you know? So... I'm, I'm cool with it, you know, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. There's twin brother knife throwers who never miss a shot, unless they're throwing at James Bond, of course, you know, funny how that works. <laughs> uh, these movies, they're just goofy. <laughs> 
the main villain of this movie is a woman, actually, and she's not just viewed as a sex object, you know, so, okay, I guess another uh, positive step towards women representation in these movies, I guess, uh, you know, so, I guess, you know, one point for the better treatment of women, except for she was a villain, but, you know, and of course there's a bunch of every other women that, you know, fill in the whole sex object to be ogled kind of corner of this movie so i guess negative 1.2 to that i guess too and uh it ends up about even uh <laughs> honestly i found her to be a pretty uninteresting villain uh it's it's like oh it's different that it's a woman but you know she wasn't that interesting quite frankly though talking about tom cruise in the last review here james bond is on a horse, he rides up, he jumps off, and he lands on a plane that is taking off. The plane takes off, and he's, like, hanging on to the side of the plane, just like Tom Cruise did in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. When I saw this, I'm like, dude, James Bond is the original Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, like, so very similar to what they did in Rogue Nation. It's crazy. I mean, obviously, the ending of it's pretty different, but... It's, I was like, whoa, dude, okay. Overall, this movie, it's fine, it's okay. It's, it's pretty unmemorable. It's, it's not one of the better Bond movies, in my opinion. It's, it's just okay. And the end of this movie says, James Bond will return in From a View to a Kill. Interesting, because the movie was not called From a View to a Kill, it's just called A View to a Kill. So, okay, they took off a word for one thing, but also they have this other Bond movie that was born out of a uh, legal snafu or something here. And so the next Bond movie is not Roger Moore as Bond, it's Sean Connery back as Bond in a non-canon Bond movie. Double O seven. Good to see you, Mr. Bond. Now you're on this. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. I certainly hope so too. Never say never again. A Spectre agent has stolen two American nuclear warheads, and James Bond must find their targets before they are detonated. Alright, if that plot sounds familiar, by the way, it's because this is a remake of Thunderball, so that's interesting. So apparently there was like some kind of lawsuit, some kind of something, and uh, they got the rights to Thunderball. It's like somebody else got the rights to Thunderball somehow. I don't know how this works. I, I didn't look into it extensively, to be perfectly honest. I just like, oh, something happened, and now we have another movie with Sean Connery back as James Bond interesting and it's just it's it's not a a canon James Bond movie it's not in this run of James Bond movie this is kind of his second one last ride after Diamonds Are Forever where he came back for that one and it's I mean first off it's kind of weird just that this is like the oldest James Bond has ever been you know and this is kind of a a creepier James Bond, you know, James Bond is kind of a creeper, you know, uh, he, it's only exemplified even more 
when he's older and he's he's doing all this stuff with the women and everything. It's just it's a little creepy, you know. It's a little creepy. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird just to see how they're they're trying to act like, hey, this is this is another Bond movie, same James Bond and all this kind of stuff. When it's it's not, and you can kind of see stuff in the movie around them, like Money Penny and Q is different, and all this kind of stuff is like this is not the same Bond movies. This is clearly not. It it feels like uh. It feels like, you know, when Venom or something is trying to be in the Marvel Universe and they're like, oh, look at us. We're in the Marvel Universe. See, like we're kind of connected to the Marvel Universe or even something like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is in the Marvel Universe. But then it's like the movies all just ignore them. And it's just like, oh, they're just, it's almost like they're trying to fit into the Marvel Universe. This is trying to fit into the James Bond Universe, but you can tell it doesn't quite fit because it's not in the James Bond universe. It's some other, it's just, it's just a remake of Thunderball and somehow they got Sean Connery back. Like it's kind of crazy, you know? And since this is a remake of Thunderball, which is a movie that Sean Connery starred in earlier, it has pretty much the same plot as Thunderball. Uh, Spectre steals a few nukes and uh, Bond has to stop him. It's just a not as good version of Thunderball, honestly. It's it's, it's just what this is. Uh, it's I, I do think it's kind of fun, some of the way they played with uh, James Bond being older. They kind of acknowledged that he is older, and they did a few things with that. Uh, never really went way too far with that, but when they, they kind of messed with that a little bit, and it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of fun. Uh, Rowan Atkinson is in this movie. What? Mr. Bean? Johnny English? What are you doing here? He's comedic relief. But even that, it's still weird seeing him in like a more serious role than he usually has, or a more serious movie than he's usually in. Like, I like this guy. He's a, a fantastic, uh, comedic actor he's a, a fantastic like physical comedian you know he I, I really like Rowan Atkinson but it's just bizarre seeing him in this movie honestly it's like I was like wait is that is that Rowan Atkinson it totally is it's great uh <laughs> there is the most I'm just kind of jumping around randomly but I yeah it's what you're gonna get I'm sorry uh <laughs> uh there is the most high class arcade I've ever seen where like there's people in suits and ties and like ladies in dresses and all of them and everything. And then they're all there to play like centipedes and asteroid or centipede and asteroids and stuff. And it's like, what is there places like this? Is this real? Is there, is there places where people dress up really nice to co play video games at arcade games? It's like, was that a thing? I, that is super weird to me. But then <laughs> Bond and the villain play a super video game over like the fate of the world. And if you lose, it shocks you. And it's like, <laughs> and it's, it's just weird. Like, honestly, it's like, what is this? This is how we're going to decide the fate of the world. James Bond's like, I can, I can win this video game. It's like shooting countries or something. I don't know. It's, it's pretty stupid. Honestly, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, to be perfectly honest, this is just a very unremarkable return for Sean Connery. You know, it's like, if, if this is supposed to be a big, like, oh, he's back, you know, or one final thing, you know, which we kind of already had with Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, just Diamonds Are Forever did it better. Thunderball did it better, which is a remake of, you know, it's just everything else did it better. This isn't a particularly bad movie. 
It's just, it's mediocre. It's meh. It's completely forgettable. I didn't even talk about the Bond girl because I don't remember her. They, like, kissed at the end or something, you know? I don't know. It's, it's She was just unremarkable. Everything was pretty unremarkable. It's, uh, I, yeah. I, it's whatever. Who cares? I don't care. So let's move on. This man has a secret ambition. I propose to end the domination of Silicon Valley. Project Main Strike. A secret plan. For which each of you will pay me $100 million. A view to a kill. The recovery of a microchip off the body of a fellow agent leads James Bond to a mad industrialist who plans to create a worldwide microchip monopoly by destroying California's Silicon Valley. That was the worst reading of that description ever, but... That explains more than I realized in the movie. I didn't even know what this villain was after, to be 100% honest. He is very confusing. Uh, so, the, the Roger Moore is back for his final Bond movie. So, this movie, of course, what else does it open up with? But a skiing action sequence. What in the world? More of them. Okay. Uh, this time it's to the tune of a pop song, though. Until it abruptly stops, and then it's not anymore. So, if... <laughs> There that is, I guess. Okay. Uh, also, not only is this the last movie with Roger Moore, but this is the last movie with Money Penny, played by Lois Maxwell, which is interesting because she is like the only character that actually connects like all these movies together. She's back all the way from the Sean Connery to uh, you know George Lazenby now to Roger Moore. She's been through all of these movies. She's outlived any James Bond, and now this is finally her last film. And it's kind of a bummer, honestly, because like whenever Money Penny is on screen. She is always fantastic. You know, I always enjoy whenever Money Penny or Q, uh, you know, shows up. They're the unsung heroes of this franchise, you know? The actors, they've been across multiple Bonds connecting these movies together in ways that the, even the Bonds couldn't, you know? It's, it's, you know, they're kind of a high point in these movies a lot of times when you see them. It's like, oh, hey, it's them. You know, it's always, even if it's not the highest point of the movie or anything, it's just, it's a fun point in the movie anyway, I guess. Uh, okay, the villain. Christopher Walken is the villain. Okay, the first villain with an actor that I actually recognize. Pretty cool. Uh, so, Christopher Walken. I like Christopher Walken. And this is not peak Christopher Walken performance. That said, I did enjoy him as a villain. Well, I mean, okay, here's the deal with him. Like, I liked his interactions with Bond. I think that was good. I, I like Christopher Walken, so seeing him as the villain, I, I liked that. But, I, first off, I wish there was more interactions with Bond. He he interacts with Bond, and then he, he kind of stops for a while, and you don't you mess with him for a while, and then you kind of come back to him. Uh, but, I, I really can't, I can't say he's a great villain, though. Because I just, I, I don't really understand him. I don't really understand his, his motivations or what's going on with him. He's apparently, like, genetically modified or something. They were talking about that. But they never really dived into much of, like, what in the world that meant. Or, or even what, like, 
Yeah, I don't know. I wanted so much more of like, wh- what does that mean? What he's genetically modified? What can he do exactly? What is the, like? I'm more, I'm curious, and, and the movie just doesn't really answer a lot of those questions that I was curious about. Uh, we never learn too much about that, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it's just. I, also, his motivations. I mentioned this earlier, but I just I'm I'm I don't exactly know what he was doing. Some of the stuff is just like. He's, he's a psychopath. He's crazy, you know? Oh, but it's like, that's not generally a good villain motivation, you know? I mean, the Joker, okay, one of the best villains ever. But, hey, uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> it's just not very good or, or interesting motivations. I mean, it's, I don't know. Uh, what starts off in the beginning of the movie is kind of this, oh, it's a, a horse racing scheme, and, and Bond's kind of looking into it, and then it's like, oh, it turns into this big convoluted plan to destroy an entire city for, I don't know, no apparent reason as far as I could tell. Uh, and then you got, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. He's just, he's not a great villain. I just like Christopher Walken, I guess is the deal. <laughs> uh, okay, the Bond villain, the Bond girl villain this time around, uh, Mayday is her name, is pretty much just a, a meathead type villain. But at, at a point in the movie, they kind of do something with her that, that kind of hints at something deeper character-wise. And I was like, dude, that 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 could have been interesting. They could have been, done something with her character uh, if they developed that more, but they didn't. You know, I, I wish they did, but, nah, they didn't. And she, ultimately, she's not that interesting. Uh, the action is actually really good this time around. They definitely have that kind of spectacle action down pat at this point. You know, the kind of action that you see, at least you see in the trailers for the new Bond movies, that you see in the Mission Impossible movies, uh, very present here. These big, like, action sequences here, and helicopters, blimps, all this kind of flying stuff all over the place. Big spectacle action, and it's a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to see how this does evolve into the modern-day Bond movies. There is an action sequence in this where the the Bond girl is is driving a fire truck and James Bond is hanging onto the ladder and the ladder is like moving out and swinging out into traffic and he's hanging onto it like the Terminator. You remember that in Terminator, was it Terminator 2 when that happens and the Terminator's just like hanging on there. It's like, oh my goodness, dude. He did this, we got James Bond hanging on there. It totally reminded me of the Terminator. It's, it's, it's kind of funny just because of how much it reminded me of that. But then it's like, all right, cool. Spectacle action. You're doing that's I mean honestly, that's that's what I want to see in these movies, you know? So, I liked the okay, I liked the beginning of this movie and I liked the end of this movie. The ramp up to this movie and then the conclusion of this movie was really solid. But then there's kind of this lull in the middle where we don't really have Christopher Walken anymore and and things are just moving a little bit slower and I mean, quite frankly, it just kind of gets a little less interesting, a little less engaging in the middle, and then it picks up at the end, and I enjoyed the end. So there's this kind of just middle period of the movie where it's just honestly kind of dull, you know? I would say, overall, this is a this is a pretty good ending for this Bond. I mean, it's not... Like, it's a pretty good Bond movie. I enjoyed it, but... It doesn't wrap stuff up like uh, Diamonds Are Forever kind of wrapped up Sean Connery's Bond, you know, by bringing in some of the villains and, and doing some things there. And it's like, okay, it kind of wrapped it up in a nice, neat way. This doesn't necessarily wrap anything up. I mean, it's like, 
there could have been another Bond movie with Roger Moore after this. That said, I think this is a pretty solid one for him to to go out on. I thought this one was was fun. That is it for this Bond episode. We got what two more Bond episodes? Uh, the the upcoming Bonds here. We have Pierce Brosnan, uh, Timothy Dalton. It seems like I'm forgetting another one here. But we have a couple different ones that we're gonna cover in the next one, and then the the final episode should be all Daniel Craig all the time we'll see what these modern day bond movies are all about i mean honestly that's kind of what i've been working up to this whole time this is what i kind of been like like the most curious about the most i wanted to really see honestly is the newer bond movies and i was like no i want to go back i want to watch the old ones and it's like oh i can make this episode series about all these bond movies so many bond movies holy moly there's a lot of bond movies but here we are, we're halfway through now, at least as far as the episode count goes, because I think this is going to go for four episodes of Bond movies. And despite the fact that Roger Moore was a great James Bond, I am ready to move on. I'm ready for the next Bond. I'm ready to see, get, get some fresh blood in here, you know? I'm ready to to see whatever this next Bond is 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 gonna be in his take on bond and pierce brosnan is somebody i've actually seen in other stuff i've seen sean connery in other stuff he was in the uh indiana jones movies right uh so i've seen sean connery and some other stuff i don't know if i've ever seen roger moore in anything uh but you know some of these other actors like for the most part i know them as james bond you know it's like okay that's bond you know and even like sean connery when he's in Indiana Jones, he is so much older in that movie. He's so much more different, you know? Pierce Brosnan, it seems like he's like... It's, I've seen him and stuff closer to the age he was when he was in the Bond movies and stuff, you know? So it's... I don't know. It, it should be interesting. I, I, I'm curious to see how it goes. Uh, honestly, so far, out of all these movies, the only one that I, like, really enjoyed, like, I liked a lot was Goldfinger, you know? That's the one that's, like, really stood out above the rest. And none have have matched that yet, which is kind of a bummer, considering it's, like, what, the third or fourth movie, and now we're, like, so many movies in. It's, like, I, I was I was really hoping that once we hit Goldfinger and it was, like, oh, I, I loved that. That was fantastic. I was really hoping that that would kind of be the new standard and they would all kind of be competing to hit that, but they never quite do to me you know and so i'm hoping with these next batch of movies we'll get back up there at some point we'll hit one that's up close to that goldfinger type level and I, you know to be perfectly honest i i'm i'm kind of expecting that once we get to the daniel craig ones because they're the modern day action movies you know that's more the kind of stuff that i'm used to it's more the kind of stuff that i'm into than some of the older action movies and I mean, Goldfinger being one of the oldest ones, you know? So it's like, we should be able to beat this, right? But, I mean, it's not the action that makes the movie, right? It's the characters, it's the development, it's the story, it's all this kind of other stuff. Though the action can definitely put the cherry on top, if you know what I mean. So, look forward to the second half of this series of Bond episodes. I still have a lot of movies to watch here. I've seen a lot of movies. This is a lot of James Bond. This is going to be the year of James Bond for me, because holy moly, a lot of James Bond. All right, so that's it for this time, guys. This is David Arrington of the Helix Reviews Podcast. Guest signing out. Bye-bye, guys.
the Bond girl villain this time around, uh, Mayday is her name, is pretty much just a, a meth head, a meathead, meth head, oh my goodness, 